I trust you were moved as I was with Brother uh, prayer and uh, such a spirit-filled prayer. Excuse me, Brother Luke's prayer. I'm, I know Brother Jeff was praying too. <laughs> but uh, what a wonderful prayer! We thank God for it, and uh, I think you can all. Um, I suspect many of you feel the way that I do that uh, as this weekend was approaching. Um, I had a confidence that the Lord was going to be here. I had an expectation that the Lord was going to be here. Um, we cannot come into something like this with a demand for the Lord to be here, right? But we can have an expectation that He's going to be with us. And sometimes there's some weekends coming and I just get that tingling <laughs> and that excited expectation and reverential fear that I have a confidence the Lord's going to be with us. And I haven't been disappointed. Have you? Have you? Um, it's been such a wonderful, wonderful blessing. <clears throat> Brother Adam, um, this morning, whoo, boy. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the last time I had my sto toes stepped on so lovingly <laughs> and so forcefully um, like that. But... As Brother Adam was preaching, uh, I was thinking of aspects of my life where I am not as faithful in the little things as I need to be. And my life suffers and the lives of those around me suffer when I'm not faithful over the little things like I need to be, the small things. And Brother Adam was, uh, that, that's the most needful message I've heard in a long, long time uh, that I needed to hear. And it's uh, a great jumping off place for what the subject of the Lord put on my mind coming into this weekend. That's, a, that's, a, that's the message and the subject of peace. The subject of peace is a glorious one. Now, when the Bible tells us about the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You know, I, I, would, I would tend to make an argument that without peace... There's other blessings and other uh, fruits, if you let me say it that way, that you really don't enjoy very much without peace. Uh, you might think this is odd, but have you ever experienced in your life where you had joy, but you really didn't have peace in the midst of that joy? It was maybe a temporary joy. It might have even been a real joy, but because of a lack of peace that you had in your soul, that joy wasn't lasting and it wasn't full. Right? So there can be some blessings that you experience in life but without peace at the basis of that and without having a peace in your soul it's not going to be a lasting joy it's not going to be a lasting love it's not going to be a lasting long suffering right so when the bible teaches us about peace you know there, there's those that we're told about in scripture they'll say peace peace when there is no peace right because they're crying out for a peace that they define it's a peace that they want you to have, a peace that they're promising you to have, but it's got some deadly poison in that peace, right? And they say, well, if you really want peace, you know, then we'll, we'll throw religion out the door and we'll you know, get rid of all these traditional values and things like that, and we'll all just get along and we'll have peace, right? That's not peace, is it? Amen. That's not peace at all. I was just looking at a scripture in Isaiah where... Uh, he talks about, but the work of righteousness is peace. And the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. 
Okay, now I think he just defined peace for us there. Peace is quietness and assurance. Now, I've never seen anybody that was yelling at the top of their lungs and say, there goes somebody that's got peace. As we watch our kids play basketball, and I try to coach the the youngest one's team, you know, I've never seen some coach ranting and raving on the sideline and say, that fella's got peace. (laughs) But I've seen some people, and I think I've been one of them at times, where we're losing the game badly, but I have peace. Because I know, and if you're an ultra-competitive person, you're not going to like hearing me say this. And I've been an ultra-competitive person in my life. But, you know, you, you might, I, I just, I knew we were going to lose before the game started. We, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have a game plan that's going to beat this team because they're so much better than we are. But if my team did what I coached them to do on the small things, right? That's what a coach is doing. That's what a teacher is doing is teaching you how to do the small things right, how to do the little things right. It's what you learn in the military, right? How to do the little things in the right way because that leads up to the big things, right? And if, if my team has done what I've instructed them to do and they, they follow the right scheme that we're trying to follow and they've been in the right position on defense and they've done the things that they're supposed to do on the court and we still got beat like a drum, guess what? I have peace because they did their job. They did it to the best of their ability and the obstacles were bigger than we are and there was no way we'd overcome the obstacles but we got better right and we did better so i can lose i can have the scoreboard shows you got beat like a drum but i've got peace because i know we got better today we did what we're supposed to do we were faithful in the little things they implemented the things we've been trying to teach them to do right and it can be like that in our lives can it because peace is not predicated on circumstances. Because the circumstances can be insurmountable. It can be, I've got cancer and I can't overcome this cancer. But I have peace. Right? I've got an oppressive government that hates me and doesn't like me. And they don't care anything about Christian values. And you might say, I can't overcome that. You're right. We can't overcome that. But we can have peace in the middle of it. And we can look at a scoreboard that's held up someplace in the world that says, you're losing badly, little child of God. And I can say, that's okay, I've got peace. Right? I have peace. Now there's peace and then there's peace, right? And if we all walk through the door with a peace on meter that said, how much peace do you have? You know, there'd be aspects of my life and of yours where you say, I've got peace in this part of my life. I'm lacking some peace in this part of my life. Right? And there's, because it's, it's, <clears throat> pray the Lord bless me and where we're going with this. But the Bible teaches us in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Right. right? Well, what is the peace of God? Well, I think the peace of God involves that quietness and assurance. Right? Peace doesn't mean that I'm going to convince the whole world why they should be peaceful. Peace means I've got peace within my soul and I'm not letting the world touch the peace that I have. Right? right? And he says, let this rule in your heart. Now, what does it mean to rule? Well, if you think about ruling, you probably think about a king, right? A king sits upon his throne and he rules. He rules and he reigns. And he's the one that calls the shots. He's the one that identifies what, the, what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. Well, if you and I have peace within us, 
and we let that peace rule, then that peace is going to decide what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. What's within the law of God that I'm trying to live after and what is contrary to the law of God that I'm trying to live after, right? If we let the peace of God rule in our hearts, then that peace of God that says, the Lord says to avoid idolatry, right? The Lord says flee fornication. The Lord teaches us to be faithful to our spouse. The Lord teaches us to be faithful in His Word. To be in His house every, every time that the doors are open at our home church. And when we have an opportunity to come to meetings like this, right? If we let the peace of God rule in our hearts, our flesh may say, it's a long way to Stringer, Mississippi. But the peace of God says, I'm going to go a place where I can find peace. And it's a resting place for my soul. And we can say, I have a confidence. I have a quietness and assurance that I'm going to hear the gospel preached. And I get more peace when I hear the gospel preached. And sometimes we get more peace by being corrected, like in Brother Adam's sermon this morning, where we say, ah, you know what? And things are going off like a Rolodex. I'm not faithful in this small thing. I'm not faithful in this small thing. i got to stop doing this. i got to start doing that. And you know what the effect of that is? It's peace. Because no chastening at the present time is joyous. It's not joyous at the present time, but afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Right? And the work of righteousness is peace. Right? So you see there's peace now and there's peace later. And they're both very, very important, but in the right context, right? Now, some of you here at Providence Church, the last couple of times y'all have had this meeting, my family's been here and I have not. And I've missed you. I've been so thankful my family could be here with a church congregation that I trust and people that we love. And and I can't tell you the the peace that I had knowing they're at a good place. They're going to be treated well. It's going to be people that love them. They're going to hear right words preached. They're going to hear wonderful singing. Oh, but I didn't have peace that I wasn't there and couldn't be there. Oh, I wish that I could be there. (laughs) So we haven't been here. (coughs) Excuse me. We haven't been here among you much lately, and we've missed you, and we get back here today and say, ah, another home, right? It's another home away from home for me, and I thank God for you. But some of you know Sister Donna and I very well, right? Some of you have known us since CR12. That's an inside joke that some of you get, and most of you won't. Um, you, you know us really well. You know some of the dynamics of our marriage. And if you know a whole lot about Sister Donna and me, Uh, You know that Sister Donna is very prone to peace right now. And I'm very prone to peace later. Right? And they're both important things. And I thank God, and you thank God, that the Lord balanced me with somebody not like me. Right? I I thank God He did. Brother Sonny thanks God that He did. (laughs) But aren't you thankful that the Lord balances balances us with people that have a different talent set than we have? Right? And it's very, very important. But because we need to remember peace right now has great value. Somebody snaps at you. Somebody speaks to you in an unchristian way. Peace right now is important to say, no big deal, right? No big deal. I can just, we'll take it, let it roll off. I deserve an eternity of hell, so this person's snapping at me, no big deal, right? And then we can have a peace right now. And in this moment, we can say, we're going to work for peace. And we're going to have peace by just letting it go. 
And I have peace by letting it go. But there's a peace right now that's not good. And with the advent of electronic devices, there's been a lot of harm to parenting and to the upbringing of children because the peace right now means I'm busy, leave me alone, go play with your whatever, right? So the kid sits there all day playing. And you know, the parent has peace, right? Because that's what we want, we want peace, right? I just want some time to myself, I want some peace. And instead of them crying and fussing for something and me having to deal with, here, just go do whatever. Right? I know it's getting kind of quiet right now because that's something that probably steps on a lot of our toes. But that has harmed parenting and it has harmed the upbringing of children. And the reason why we allow it is because we want the peace at the time. But that's harming peace in the future. And when it comes to children being in church... Sometimes, in order for them to have peace, we might give the sugar, we might give the electronic, we might give whatever, because we want peace right now in church. But they're not learning how to be peaceful as they're getting older, right? So sometimes you can take peace now that's at the cost of peace in the future. Does that make sense? So sometimes you have to go through the pain now in order to have the peace in the future. So let your moderation be known unto all men, right? There's a peace now that's important. There's a peace in the future that's important. And we have to labor for both of those. Because they don't come by nature. right? They don't come by our fleshly nature. Our fleshly nature really doesn't like peace. It likes conflict. Let me tell you how right I am. Let me tell you how good I am. No, no, no. Your team's not the best. Mine's the best. No, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the one that knows. Right? Our flesh doesn't like that. But one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So the seat of affection, we talked about the heart at lunch that confused me. And I was, boy, there's a lot that I don't know that I should know. But the heart being the seat of affection, is that which your affection towards, that which you long after, that which you desire... Let the peace of God rule in that seat of affection, and it will impact every aspect of your life. Amen. Now, I would argue again that really every conflict or trial in this life really comes from a lack of peace. When a husband and wife aren't getting along very well, it's a lack of peace, right? When the doctor says cancer, there's something in your body that is not at peace. There's now a warring of healthy cells and sick cells cancer cells that are warring against each other and there's a lack of peace there. When you watch a heart monitor and y'all forgive me I'm going to imitate a heart monitor here but you know a healthy peaceful heart is something like that right? When the heart monitor goes that's a lack of peace right? If it's got the beat beat squish that's a lack of peace, right? There's something that's wrong with the valve. That valve's not at peace with the way that God designed the body to be. And there's a lack of peace. So really, every health issue we have is because there's a lack of peace in something in a healthy body. Every human conflict that we have is because of a lack of peace. Any church conflict that we ever have, it's a lack of peace. When doctrinal heresy comes in, 
that's a lack of peace. When there's bad church practice going on that's being tolerated, that's a lack of peace. Right? So, how do we endeavor for peace? Well, sometimes it's a pay me now or pay me later proposition. And we've got to pay it now, give forth the effort now, so that we will have the peace that comes later. Right? So when a husband and wife are having a little difficulty and a little strife with each other, there needs to be a laboring for peace. Now, what can be a temptation is, well, here's the rug. <laughs> we pick up the rug and we sweep the problem under the rug and we put the rug back down. And now we have peace. Let's just forget it. Let's avoid it. Let's not worry about it. You know, when it's a difference about what color of the carpet's going to be or what type of light bulb we're going to, you know, whatever. You know, there's things like, it doesn't matter. Just, just pick one and let's go, right? And you can let you have your way. We'll both be at peace and everything's fine because both are acceptable answers, right? But there are things in this life that we have to deal with in order to have a lasting peace and a peace that will will endure. Amen. So when it comes to our bodily exercise, Bible, the Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little, but uh, godliness is profitable in all things. I think godly bodily exercise profiteth little, but it does profit, and we don't need to be given to excess on that and to be too mindful of that. But there is profit in bodily exercise. So if we exercise and we go walking, jogging, you know, lifting weights, whatever, that's not a peaceful process. <laughs> And some people talk about they love running. I'm not in that group whatsoever. I hate it. I hate every bit of it, but I like the effects that it has on my body, right? Rajiv, you agree you hate running too, don't you? Yeah, amen. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like it. But when I make myself do it, I enjoy the fruits that I have afterwards, right? I can't stand it. I don't like the process. I go up our steep hill at home and I'm just... <laughs> Trying to make sure my breathing's right and I don't start hyperventilating or now that I'm middle-aged I don't have some heart attack or something yet. And I'm like, you know, you gotta pay those dues in order to enjoy the fruits that come. The lack of peace and the working through that gives your body a peace that you can enjoy for a while, right? Because it's quietness and assurance. Well, so that lasting peace is, is worth the effort in the beginning, right? When it comes to dealing with conflict with children, it's an easy thing to say, I'm going to bury my head under the covers, not going to deal with it, and we'll just have peace. Well, that might be peace at the time, but it's not going to be a lasting peace. When the children get up in the teenage years and different issues get brought into the home, there's part of me that just says, I just want to cover <laughs> my head and go into hiding because I would just like for them to have peace for that moment. But that's not what's going to be good for them and good for us and not good for the glory of God. We need to help migrate each other, navigate through these difficult waters, no matter how difficult they may be. Amen. So when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to the doctrines of grace, somebody might come in, somebody, let me rephrase that, somebody will come in. Peter wrote that there were, there were those prophets that came in and brought in damnable heresies, and it still happens today. And I was a part of a church many years ago that had somebody with unsound doctrine that had an appointment on a, on a monthly basis, didn't get dealt with for a long time. And when I got convicted about that, I said, wait a minute, something's wrong here. This isn't right. This is sound, sound doctrine, and we ought not be tolerating this. I also knew if I bring this up, I'm going to be outvoted, right? I'm going to be outvoted, and I'm going to lose, and this church is going to be given to that unsound doctrine. 
So what do we do in times like that, right? I didn't know. I didn't know what to do at a time like that. I knew we're getting what we deserve because we haven't labored for this. We haven't labored for the truth of the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Well, the only peace that I found wasn't perfect peace, but it was a peace that says from now on, every time some harebrained thing gets preached, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to ask him questions. And the Lord blessed through circumstances that I could not have predicted. He blessed for that situation to be resolved. Not because I'm a good old boy, because we messed up a whole bunch. But the Lord blessed there to be resolution. <clears throat> so with church practice, problems among the primitive Baptists come along sometimes where there's some church practices that are not sound. They're not in keeping with the traditions of the, the thus saith the Lord. They're not in keeping with how the Lord has ordained the church. And they're not in keeping with the pattern that he has set forth, right? So what do we do in times like that? We can cover up. <laughs> we can bury our head in the sand. We can say, well, never mind. We'll leave them to themselves, leave us to ourselves. And we do have to do that to some extent, right? But what do we do when it comes to conflict among primitive Baptists? We have to endeavor to strive for peace. But there's not a peace at all costs, right? A peace at all costs is not peace. Amen. A peace that says, well, I'm just going to look the other way and we'll let it go, that's not peace. Now, I was approached by somebody um, a while back. Uh, they had an attitude of like, look, we've got, we've got differences you know, among us, substantial, what I consider to be substantial differences, but look, you know, let's, let's just worship together. Right? Well, that would work if it worked, but it doesn't work. <laughs> because when that happens... You know, they've got things they're going to teach that are contrary to the things that I'm trying to teach the congregation that I pastor. And they're fundamental things that are in conflict with each other. So you might say, well, it's more peaceful if we just say, yeah, let's just worship together. But that's not peace. That's confusion for the sheep. When you read Psalm 23, do you read that chapter? And you think violence and confusion? Or do you just feel peace all over you? Right? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. leadeth me beside the still waters. Sheep like still waters, right? They're not troubled. They're not moving. Sheep like peace. And the sheep of God, the sheep of the church, can be misled towards something that seems like peace when it's really not peace because we're trying to avoid the conflict that leads us to the peace. But you read in, in Psalm 23 about the glorious thing that your shepherd does for you. And time after time and point after point, it's a place of peace. And it's a place of true peace. So when there's, comes time, when there's times of conflict, we can't just look the other way and say, never mind. I'm not going to deal with it. Right? We have to endeavor for that peace. And sometimes it means conflict. And Jesus said that about families. He said, think ye that I'm come to bring peace? Nay, but a sword. Because Jesus said, I'm going to separate families and households by my righteousness and by the word of God. Because there will be some in the family that will hold to it. And there will be some in the family that don't want any part of it. And he says, in so doing, there's going to be a sword dividing the family." But even in that division that is, come, that is brought by the righteousness and the truth of God's word, there's a peace with those that hold the truth of God. 
right? And you can say, my family despises me for this, but I have quietness and assurance. I have peace because I know this is the truth of God's Word. Amen. And I have a peace that says no matter what man may think of me, I'm able to press on, trust in the Lord, following the Lord, having fellowship with the Lord because I have peace with the Lord. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Amen. Right? Now, given the choice between peace with man and peace with God, which one should we pick, right? I've got some folks that I work with. I'll have more peace with them if I'll just go along and agree with them. You're right. I need to confess Jesus as my Savior, and that will bring me to heaven, right? I mean, I'll have more peace with some people that I work with if I just say, you're right, I'm going to go along with that. But I would lose peace with God if I did that. Amen. Because I would feel the convicting and condemning finger of God pointing at me saying, you know better than that, and that is not the truth, and I would lose a peace with my Heavenly Amen. Father. Right? So therefore, being justified by faith. And what I understand by that justified by faith, and some of you, you know, might, might correct me, and I, prob I probably would need it. But justification to me means to show to be aligned with a rule. And he's saying, you are shown, when you are shown to be aligned with a rule, that rule being of the righteousness of God, knowing that faith is inside of you, and you possess the righteousness of God, and you are at peace with that, and you know that your eternal salvation has come from the shed blood of Jesus Christ by His sovereign election and not by any work that you have done. When you recognize that deep down in your soul, you then are justified by faith and you're able to say, I have peace with God. I have peace with God because I know it's all of God. And I'm not trusting in my own works. I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when I trust in that finished work, I have peace with God. That'll make you want to take on hell with a water pistol, right? That'll give you the confidence in knowing I can take another day of this life. I can take another day of tribulation when I have peace with God. And I can live with my coworkers and friends from other circles saying, No, no, you're wrong. You heart shells are wrong. This is all wrong. But I can say, think what you want. I have peace. I have quietness and assurance that this is the truth and it doesn't hurt me. No matter how much they disagree. Amen. It's alright. Because I have peace. We have to labor for that peace, don't we? Because in Hebrews, he says we have to labor to enter into that rest. That rest is peace, right? So whether it's in doctrine, whether it's in our marriages, our families, the upbringing of our children, and our work situations, and whether there's conflict among primitive Baptists. You see, we have to labor for peace. And that's a glorious place to rest. Amen. Have you rested this weekend? Yeah. Right? Oh, you've rested wonderfully this weekend, haven't you? And you've rested this weekend because faithful men of God, and I'm not counting myself in this, but faithful men of God have faithfully delivered the Word of God to you this weekend. Amen. That's worth something. That's worth more than anything else that we have in this life. Amen. And that's worth saying, I want to do whatever it takes to be continued to be numbered with that people. And to be among such a people. Yeah. Right? May we always labor for true peace. For true peace. May God richly bless you. Amen. We'll be praying for Brother Jeff.